Empire of the Sun. Suns. Empire of the Suns. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Wet like on book. Arizona Sports presents the Empire of the Suns podcast. Empire of the Suns. Hello there, and welcome to the Empire of the Suns podcast. My name is Kellen Olson, joined as always by Kevin Zerman. Kevin, last podcast, I said I couldn't tell if you were screwing with me when it came to my voice sounding a certain way. You said it sounded kind of fine. Now you can hear it a bit. The allergies have kicked in, just battling over here on a Sunday night live from Phoenix Suns Arena. Hello, Kev. You doing well? It's the allergy game. It's like the flu game, but... Yeah, when I went to go get my uh, test yesterday, the uh, the doctor told me just like um, there was like yeah, it's like cold season right now. There's a cold going around, so that's what we've got. Um, we'll talk more about that in a bit. But I had to get <laughs> I had to get COVID tested uh, in order to get so every there were I believe it was only ten total uh, bodies in in full. They were only they were literally like ten chairs in the room, but the uh, the league has opened up. Uh, pre and post game zooms uh, to allow a certain select number of uh, media to go down there. You have to be vaccinated and you have to have a, COVID, a negative COVID test uh, that uh, you got within 24 hours uh, of the game starting. So that's where I was getting that done. We'll talk about that more in a bit. But I mean, three seconds of like interaction with them was more than we've gotten over an entire year in terms of just like being personable and feeling human inter- interaction. So that was a really cool part of the night. I think a lot of people will disagree with me and say there were cooler parts of the night, including the Suns beating the Clippers 120-114 to 114 in Game 1 of the Western Conference Finals. It doesn't feel normal to say Western Conference Finals, Kevin, and by the time we get to that feeling normal, we could be, it's probably the series is over and we're either talking about the Finals or, or something else, but it certainly seems to be trending in a direction where it's going to be the Finals, at least for me in this first game. I guess that's where I want to start with you. I didn't really get into this, into what I wrote at all, and and just really wrote about Devin because we'll get to him in a minute. But 40-point triple-double, the third in the history of the conference finals. A lot of the uh, discussion should be around him, and rightfully so. But where do you grade this on the scale of a podcast we did about two to three weeks ago after Game 1 of the Nuggets series where me and you just basically spent 20 minutes going, ah, this this doesn't look good for Denver? Because I think the thing you and I noticed the most was the Suns' ability to just create good shots the entire night. I think it's different than that because that just felt like I could call they're going to win this series. I don't think I can say that tonight. I agree. And I loved watching this game more than any other game that we've had because it was truly a chess match. It was the Clippers playing like they play and the Suns playing like they play and making tiny little adjustments within the thing. Um, Ty Lu out of halftime, goes to Zubox, and Monty starts telling his guys, look, we're getting open threes, but let's try to create drives off that and then make a second pass to DA. And, like, people were complaining about them not force-feeding him against a small ball <clears throat> unit, but... Y- you don't need to force feed him. I don't call it force feeding when you are looking for him just rolling to the rim because that's that's predicated off stuff that you were already creating and you just weren't looking for that option. So I thought that those two adjustments stood out for each team and 
you know, I think the Suns could play a lot better defense. I think the Clippers absolutely can play a lot better defense with adjustments. Um, I, I was listening to Paul George. He was kind of saying, like, it's a feel-out game, which obviously Denver and L.A. said that, and one of those teams responded. I think the Clippers are most equipped to respond, but the, the good thing for the Suns is – you, you take this game without Chris Paul, which we haven't mentioned, I don't think, to start this podcast, and you look like the same team. And Devin Booker obviously had to do a lot, but I think that's just how good this team is and how much people who watch the Suns have believed they are, they can weather a storm like that. Yeah, to, to your original point and my original question, I definitely agree with you. I think that uh, Devin in the last 345 of the third, he scored 12 straight points. And then he had the hockey assist on a Tory Craig three. And then in the end of the game, in the last like eight minutes, whatever it was, he scored or assisted on the final 15 points. And it's just not um, what Chris can do at the end of games is just only two or three other guys in the league can do that, maybe. Um, that's part of what makes him such an elite player. And it's unreasonable to expect Devin to be able to do that every single game. Paul George was awesome in this game for three quarters. He had 32 points in the first three quarters. He finished with 34. The Clippers as a team shot 14 of 30 from three in the first three quarters. They finished um, in the fourth. They shot four of 14, I believe. So uh, the Clippers just kind of ran out of steam uh, in in a couple of different ways. And I think Booker's just overall aggression and shot making certainly lent to that. Um, I'm with you on DA. I, I think that if you came into this series expecting him to get the ball on the block a bunch of times, what team have you been watching yeah. this entire season? Maybe for the first five to ten games of the year, as I wrote in my preview, where this is <clears throat> a team that tried to get him the ball more in the post at the start of the year, but eventually they simplified his role even more, which turned out to be a big benefit to him. And I think you tweeted this, and I completely agree, and what I wrote in the preview too, like, if DeAndre just plays like himself and they don't get him the ball in the post, he can still dominate this game. Yeah. And that's what we saw for stretches of it um, and portions of it. There's going to be a lot to get into in terms of previewing this, previewing game two and reviewing game one um, because I think that the Suns made a choice to just switch almost just about everything defensively, and I think that that had their defense sloppy in areas where it normally isn't, just losing shooters on out like – on the three-point line. That was a day that ended in Y for former Suns teams that we watched. We're not used to seeing that at all from this Suns team. Um, So I I think there's some stuff to clean up there. I think Monty mentioned Jay Crowder was huge for us just in terms of having someone next to DeAndre to say, okay, like you need to switch here. We're going to put you on. Mostly he was on the guy in the corner. DeAndre wasn't. If he wasn't, they tried to get him back there because that was like the easiest play for him to make. Just um, close out on the shooter. Don't overhelp too much or, or close out too aggressively. Deny the drive if you can. And then if the shot goes up, that's the easiest path to him getting the rebound. Um, there, there were so many things from that perspective. But to take it back to my original point, I think that the Suns, it, it really, some games like 31 assists and only seven turnovers feels like something where it, it's not all really there. Um, maybe that's not what the eye test showed, but the eye test to me, like they could have easily had 35 or 40 assists. I know they shot 40% from three or something a little bit better, but in this game, um, I think they could have shot even more. They had a lot of really quality um, open looks, 
I want to ask you about campaign because he started one of five. The thought started in my head. I didn't even like get there, but it went like, okay, what happens if they can only play him like 10 or 15 minutes a game in this series? Because he started to not spiral or unravel necessarily, but he just looked out of sorts. He said himself, after his first shift when Etuan Moore came in, he was able to sit down and actually watch the game like he would when he was a reserve, and it just helped him kind of feel everything out, and that's when we start started to see him find DeAndre, find just a lot of passing lanes. He had nine assists and 11 points. Uh, what did you make of his performance? Because I thought he was, he was pretty good overall, all things considered. I think the first half there were moments where he was like – I imagine he gets geared up in the same way like the starters, and he's not used to, like, okay, go sit on the bench, calm down a little bit, and then the pace is there. He gets a rhythm of the game by watching, and then he goes. I thought he was flying around way too much, um, playing a little too fast, and maybe being a little too aggressive. Like, he literally had a turnover, ran back, and I think he clipped. Torrey Craig was about to time up a chase down block on one of the Clippers, and Cam just, like, ran into Torrey like trying to make a play himself, and he's just a little out of control. I, I thought he really settled in, like you said. Um, and the big thing with him, that's why it, looking back at our podcast last week before this series, it, it was kind of dumb to say maybe Monty starts Etuan Moore just to keep Cam in that spot to get let him get in a rhythm because Etuan Moore did not look like he had his things <clears throat> basically today. No. Um, which I, I think happens when Pat Bev is like, up on you at half court when you're bringing the ball up but as far as cam he settled in um, 11 points nine assists i believe one or two turnovers just didn't finish the game right because it was all book point book at the end completely but the big thing with cam is i think it's it's huge when he's attacking and his just ability to change speeds really started attacking you know the DeMarcus Cousins Zubat lineups like that stuff was good because it got him back into look just play like you did before you do got to settle down to start but I thought he he really responded after a kind of a rough start yeah I was glad uh, Monty kind of off the cuff just shouted out Mikel Bridges for playing patient and making quick decisions because I think this is a game where if Mikel, Cam, De- like in terms of just looking at point five and those types of things, I think like their letter grade is like an A minus or an A. I thought they were really, really good. If they were closer to like a B or B minus, I'm not exactly sure if they win this game. Yeah. And, and they were just locked in on that stuff. And I thought Crowder, Johnson, and Bridges all scoring in double figures just kind of led to that, that those guys were making an impact in that kind of way. Um, the small ball thing got weird because um, DeAndre's impact on the game, which wasn't really like – if he would have had like six offensive rebounds at the half, I would have understood Lou going to Zubac at the start of the second half. But he decided that he didn't – he wanted more size out there. That's where Zubac came in. And I thought that benefited the Suns, honestly. I think, I think the Clippers should, should really try and stay small as yeah. much as possible. Now, I know like Zubac's presence there – physically like means a lot but at the same time especially with the way Devin was able to attack his drop coverage I just think that that's not the way for the Clippers to go in this series that's interesting I thought I thought it messed up the Suns' offense and it 
I honestly felt the game was out of the hand for the Suns until Book took over. And so that was so that was with three forty-five left in the third. That was the twelve points I mentioned. Clippers went up six. That was their yeah. So like lead. that was the point for you where, over those eight minutes where you were like, oh, this is working. Lou made the right adjustment. Yeah, and right. I thought I think it took a while for me for it to register that Book was doing all the scoring. And even when I did, I was like, well, I I don't know, but. I mean, what he did was he just started getting on them, attacking, because he had, like, what, Rondo and Beverly and Mann on him, and he was just shooting over them and just drilling everything. Maybe that's a one-off. Maybe he can do that again. But what he did in the fourth quarter, I think, is as big as that run, which was he was making all the right passes, like every single thing he did. I think the play that stood out for me, which was about Book, but also about his teammates, was uh, he isolated at the top at one point, and I don't even remember if a screen was coming, but they sent a double at him, and the Suns were, like, spaced out, out, I believe. They send a double at him, which they randomly will do, and Book kind of was, like, nudging with... He had the dribble, he was nudging, and he, like, baited them into showing that they are doubling him too soon. Mikel's on the wing, he swung it, and Mikel fakes it to the corner, where I think Cam Johnson was there, but then Mikel just drives and dunks it once he sees the corner defender jumped to Cam. Time slowed down there, too. The Clippers had yeah. time to make the rotation, but they just couldn't. But it was just Book was that was the moment for me where it was book is manipulating these people yeah um Mikel, who honestly still was struggling with his shot confidence wise um made a really great read and decision goes for the dunk then a few minutes later if that hits that corner three um i just think those couple sequences to me showed me like this this team came against another team that has really good adjustments in game and really was in control of them and was reading them and reacting well to them. I think the Utah series was really important for the Clippers because I think it got it got their supporting cast and particularly George. It seemed like to me they were playing much more confidently than I expected. Yeah. It just seems like they're playing with all the confidence in the world after the way the Jazz series went. Like Reggie Jackson in particular, there was like a couple situations where Man is always going to hesitate sometimes when he has the, unless he scores thirty seven or whatever yeah. it was in that game. Man, Batum, those guys are going to hesitate from time to time when they catch a ball. Reggie Jackson's not even blinking; like he's right. just going to go. That's been his game ever since he got in the league, anyway. And even if Man hesitates, he still is going to like his his shot release is like a full hesitation. How slow it is! That's yeah. why when I watched like when I watched the Jazz game back, I'm like, I don't. I was your first reaction is, do they have a guy who can kind of make up for Kawhi? And then second reaction is just because I hadn't really paid attention to his shot. It's like he needs a lot of time, and they were giving him a lot of time to set up. And he's a really good shooter if you let him set up, but you have to let him set up. I think shot balance is something that stood out to me as well, just looking at the box score right now. 29 attempts for Book, which like you have to expect kind of with Chris out. But then after that, 10 for Crowder, 11 for Bridges, 10 for Aiton, or 14 for Aiton, and then 10 for Campaign. And then the only other guy to play more than 20 minutes was Cam Johnson. He took eight shots. Like, it's just... The ball finds everyone when they play like this, and I think that was the biggest thing to me. Watching the three games back, the Suns had 22 assists, average 22 assists and 13 turnovers. It's like a 1.7 assist to turnover ratio, which is not that good for their standards. And in this game, 
31 and 7, that's like over a 4. Um, that's more towards the way that they play, and especially what I wrote about in between games 3 and 4 of the Denver series was that it just seemed like their offense was coming into its final form in terms of finding rhythm, and, and that's what I saw in the game. Um, I think that's really it for me from the game. Um, it, looking ahead to game two, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how DeAndre's role changed because it just seemed um, to go about as expected, in my opinion. They were able to find him a lot around the rim. He only had like one or two post-ups, really, um, in, in that regard. And then defensively, they were able to keep him in the corner enough. I think there was one time he got blown by by Jackson, I want to say, if that was him. Yeah. Um, and, so. and Crowder acknowledged, like, yeah, he had a few missed defensive rotations, and there were a couple of times where he was removed from the play, but he had to insert himself back into it. Like, there was a Zubach, a Zubach catcher, two under the rim, where he was near the block, and it's like, you gotta, you got to get over there. Um, yeah. Which, is, which, again, is maybe the most fascinating part of this game for me is that the Suns went switch-heavy, and you could tell it kind of short-circuited them with some of the stuff they normally do. But that switch-heavy stuff obviously helped them in a lot of different areas. What did you make of, I guess, to, to look ahead to Game 2 and also look at this game, what did you make of the way they defended? Because I thought that it was okay, but I think that's where they have the most room to improve for sure. Yeah, I think it's just, especially for DA, where we've talked about a lot, him struggling when he's covering shooting bigs you know if he's caught on Terrence Mann in the corner he does have to pay attention right and so I don't know what their defensive coverages are supposed to be but you could tell there was indecision with him whether like when he knew a guy was going to drive and he was on the weak side he was like I'm going to kind of go to help and he would be a little second late Um, I don't know if he got burned that much from what I saw as far as kickouts and he just left his guy because he is obviously obviously like always concerned about that so it's more of like being sure of when you go to help I think was where he got caught off guard but Monty did say the corner threes are too many um they shot really well from deep as you said through three quarters the Clippers did so I I think there's a lot of room for improvement both sides defensively um I thought I said this to you before we recorded did I see it during the podcast? I don't remember. That was a lot of fun to watch just because it was so different of basketball you did, you did, yeah. um, compared to the Nuggets and Lakers, and it, it, it really is going to get chess matchy, I think. They, um, you want to say, like, rivals get the best out of you or whatever? There's much more of that energy to this series than there were the last two, where it feels like yes. the Clippers are going to play at their best because they're playing against the Suns, and the Suns are going to bring out the Clippers are going to bring out the best in the Suns um, as well. You think it's uh, to look and look further down the pecking order and kind of close out here in terms of adjustments to game two, do you think Monty should go away from Etwan Moore and look to Javon Carter? No. I, I don't either. A lot of people wanted to see that. I just think you need a dribble man. and He was having trouble enough against Pat Bev, and Javon's not even going to be able to dribble once against that dude. Yeah. Um, no offense, but... Um, I think Etwan, I'll give him the benefit if he just gets a little more run. Maybe that helps get his sea legs, as they say. Um, so the update, the non-update for Monty was Chris Paul remains day-to-day. And on the Clippers' side, went overlooked, I think. Marcus Morris got hurt, hurt his knee, so he didn't close the game playing. Only 21 minutes for him. Yep. That might be something to watch because they're, they're already thin. Feels about right looking at the minutes. Dario at 11, 
uh, only playing the five, obviously. Craig at 15, Johnson at 24, Moore at 11. They closed with point book, which I thought was the right decision uh, by Monty. And, yeah, I'm just uh, really eager to see what Lou's next uh, kind of move is. I, I think that defensively something I noticed is that DeAndre was dropping on Paul George a little bit too much. And earlier in the game, he wasn't dropping on him as much, so I don't know what really happened there. I don't know if that was DeAndre or the scheme or whatever it was, but he started to get up on him more. That's where they had more success in the fourth. And I think both teams are just really open to a lot of different changes, and and that'll be the biggest change in the series is if Kawhi Leonard, we know Kawhi won't return for game two because he did not travel here. Um, we, We don't know with Chris yet. We'll have to wait and see. Uh, but that'll obviously be the biggest change in the series if one of those two uh, does return. You think that's it, bud? Yeah, it's good stuff. I think so too, man. Basketball. Uh, just to give my two-minute perspective on Zooms in person again, <laughs> um, Dwayne, Gina, and I all got to say nice to meet you to Jay Crowder, even if we've covered him for an entire season. We've never seen him face-to-face yet. Uh, campaign, who has been with the team since last June, so nearly a full year like we're talking 345 days he's been with the Suns and we had never had seen him face to face before we got to say nice to meet you um, and it was just really nice kind of being back in that element where Rachel Nichols can ask DeAndre about like his chain as, as he walks away and he can like tell us what the deal big. is with his chain it was large it was it was a lot of chain stuff going on <laughs> um, and that was just uh, it was really great to be back in that environment I think it's going to help everyone Involved not only us but them honestly uh, as well. Not to like I didn't mean that in any kind of way. Just like the, their ability to like feel it just feels easier when you're doing this in person for it's sure. It's nice to not be talking to a screen. There were a couple of reporters who did follow ups during the pregame coaching thing. It was like, oh yeah, like when you're not muted before. Like the Suns do as best of a job as they can to like leave people unmuted or mute for the opportunities to follow up, but. Again, if you're like muted and you have to say, like, "Oh, I gotta follow up," it's like yeah. can't mute me in person, man. Can't mute <laughs> me in person. Uh, all right, we'll be back here for game two. I am absolutely thrilled uh, that this was an afternoon game because it's it's six eleven right now, and uh, I think we're back. Are we back to seven p.m. tip off for Tuesday? I would assume so. I don't know. All right, well, I, ho- I wish every game... I'll show up, though. I wish every game started at 12.30 in this series. I don't know if that's a hot take for people at least watching from a fan perspective, but from our perspective, still having a little bit of the day left is, is nice as opposed to... Uh, I, will be go- I will be getting a full dinner in as opposed to just oh, yeah. eating taco... I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> I'm, it's not going to be Taco Bell at 1.30 in the morning, though, oh. which is how, how those nights go sometimes. All right, everyone, we'll be back for game two. Thanks for listening. I haven't said this in like a year. Review the podcast, rate it. Like again, if you've been a long time listener, rate it how you want. Everyone's gonna sit here and say, give us five stars. No, just give us your opinion. If you think we're only three stars, we're gonna look to get those extra two from you the rest of the way here in this season. But do all that stuff to help the podcast. We really do appreciate it. All right. Signing off from Phoenix Suns Arena. Like he's on TV right now. This is Kellen Olson. Goodbye. <laughs> I'm I'm losing it, man. <laughs> <laughs>